From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Folks, welcome to uh, the LPL Research Market Signals podcast. Uh, I'm Mark Zabicki, Chief Investment Officer at LPL Financial. Joining me today um, is Adam Turnquist, our Chief Technical Strategist here at LPL. Um, Adam, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it'll it'll be a pleasure hearing from you today. I mean, there's a lot of things going on uh, in broader markets, especially as we look at developments over recent days, as well as the commodity market. And then we're going to get your analysis on all, all that, um, as well as a, a look on to um, a market interest rates as well. So so looking forward to that as as we sit here Today, Adam and I, it is Tuesday, November 15th, and we're recording this Market Signals podcast. Um, so if we get into capital market activity over the last you know, several days, been very interesting developments across the board. Obviously, Thursday was a big day um, for U.S. equity markets in particular, driven by the CPI number that we got. And we'll, we'll touch on that just a little bit, but um, a fairly robust um, last week for equity markets in general, we can see most of that attention was driven by you know, some material upside in US markets, although uh, emerging markets have performed rather well um, in, in addition to that. We saw some definitive strength in the US technology sector. So um, a little bit of a reprieve uh, for equity markets over the last you know, week or so driven by robust activity on Thursday. If we look at um, but the bond market and the commodity market, you know, uh, again, and I know Adam will touch on this a little bit in terms of uh, your comments on market interest rates, but uh, again, robust activity in, in the in the bond market, you know, in, in the global bond market, actually, as, as EM debt was also up rather strongly. A little bit of a give and take in commodities. And, and you're going to touch on this, Adam. But I mean, you know, what are some of the moving parts that you're looking at in commodities today? Yeah, it's been an interesting few weeks in the commodity complex overall, because we're so used to seeing energy drive that space. Well, energy has been a little bit off the gas lately, and we're seeing some um, pretty good relative strength and absolute returns as well in the metals complex that we'll go over a little bit. And I think that's really helping support the broader commodity complex when we look at it at an index level. Sure. Um, and then last week, as we just touched on, uh, really driven a lot by CPI, the CPI reading on Thursday in, in the U.S., um, we got a 7.7% year-over-year reading for the month of October for U.S. CPI. That was versus the 7.9% uh, consensus expectation and the 8.2% number in, in September. What that really allowed uh, investors to kind of see is a more definitively lower trajectory in, in inflation pressure. Um, something that this market has been expecting. The translation is probably that if we're going to get um, a definitive lower trajectory in CPI, which is, by the way, has been our expectation as we sit as a strategic and tactical asset allocation committee at LPL Research, then that lends itself to, to some visibility around future Fed policy in such that the Fed policy is likely doesn't need to be as restrictive 
as it has been. And that, and again, that's our expectation. We think the Federal Reserve is going to get put it, take its foot off the brake just a little bit. Not that there's not going to be some additional interest rate increases from the Fed because we think there are is going to be. But effectively, the CPI number allowed investors to see a little bit more of the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the trajectory of the CPI and the, the Federal Reserve, the future Federal Reserve policy that may answer to that trajectory. So good news, certainly from the U.S. CPI number. Also some good news on Friday, um, as China eased some of its COVID restrictions, reduced some quarantine times that, that it was um, imposing, and also pulled back, back on some testing restrictions. That again, allowed investors to kind of take a look um, at China and also the, the global economy uh, in a little bit more of a positive light. So that was certainly constructive on Friday. Um, we did see on Thursday um, a little bit of short covering in, in the market that kind of extended that U.S. rally, I think, five and a half percent to the upside for the S&P 500 on Thursday. And then that and then we just kind of added fuel to that positive fire with the China developments uh, on Friday. As we look ahead this week, we did get a a PPI number, a producer price index number um, out of the U.S. this morning. I don't have it on on this chart, but um, we got a, a PPI reading of, of 8% um, year over year in the U.S. That compares to the 8.3% estimate um, expected by the Bloomberg consensus economists. And also the prior reading was moved from 8.5%. So the September reading was was guided down from 8.5% to 8.4%. Again, another positive look on inflation relative to expectations, which the market so far today sees as constructive. So um, we are setting up for a fairly robust uh, economic calendar out of the U.S. retail sales. We will get tomorrow capacity utilization and industrial production on Wednesday, always important numbers. And as we look at the U.S. jobs market uh, and, and what the Federal Reserve may think about the U.S. jobs market, initial jobless claims are always important on Thursday. And then housing numbers uh, and then leading indicators to close out the week um, on Friday. Uh, across the globe, in terms of ec the economic calendar, quite a bit going on in the U.K. in terms of the CPI and PPI readings. Um, and we've got some other CPI data also coming out of the Eurozone and, and Japan. Retail sales in the UK and China will also be important. So quite a robust economic calendar uh, in, in China as well and across the globe, frankly. And then key issues this week that people should be paying attention to. We touched on the U.S. PPI number, again, 8.0% was the reading versus the 8.3% survey. Retail sales and industrial production and the home sales numbers we're going to get this week should be important for investors to keep an eye on. Um, U.S. dollar direction will be important, and I know, Adam, you'll touch on that uh, in your uh, slides prepared for today. A whole host of retail earnings Coming this week, um, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, TJ Maxx, 
um, Ross stores, Macy's, et cetera, et cetera, as well as some um, interesting results out of the technology sector, Cisco and others. Um, and at the G20 meeting going on right now, um, some of the interesting developments that investors will want to pay attention to is really some developing conversation around um, you know, the UK-Russia conflict and how the global leaders, um, UK and Russia leaders in particular, may seek to start to think about bringing an end to that conflict, which is some semblance of perhaps a resolution between the Ukraine and Russia. That'll be slow developing, I'm sure, but you'll look for some commentary from the G20 uh, on that subject. Um, President Biden and Xi Jinping did, in fact, get together to talk about um, uh, the, the U.S.-China relationship, which has been under some level of strain. Uh, as we understand it sitting here, you know, Adam, we, we, we got some what looked like a constructive conversation between Biden and Xi on the U.S.-China relations that has some developing impact perhaps on on the commodity space and 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 perhaps adding a little bit of fuel to that fire you know, tell tell me about commodities and how it's it's setting it up uh, technically yeah i think the market's definitely welcoming the news out of the the g20 and some of the commentary that's coming out of that it's kind of a, a sigh of relief that it's moving in the right direction given some of the strains in the relationship between us and china when you look at the broader commodity complex, you know, we look at the Bloomberg Commodity Index, a lot of that's energy, and it's had a big rally this year. It's up 17.5% year-to-date. Most of that's been the energy component. I think that's up 50% year-to-date, so a pretty good run um, overall, but we've seen the energy components start to slow down a little bit and kind of pass the baton over to the metals complex. So we're seeing breakouts in copper recently. Obviously, that's playing into some of the, the headlines out of China. But there's also a supply issue going on with copper. I think it's it's the, the metal itself has kind of deviated from Chinese markets all the way back to 2021. So there's some tight supply, and now we're seeing likely a, a better demand outlook for copper. Similar story on gold and silver. Um, gold reversed the declining price channel uh, I think that was earlier this week, and then um, silver broke out from a bottom as well. So some of that strength that's holding up the overall Bloomberg Commodity Index is really coming from the metals, and that's really kind of clear on the bottom part of the chart that I brought today. This looks at the Bloomberg Commodity Index X Energy versus the energy component on a ratio basis. So as you can see, as the downtrend, that's basically signaling that energy is outperforming the broader X energy component. And now we've seen since June, um, some of the other sectors of the, of the commodity complex start to pick up um, relative strength overall against energy. I think, um, you know, if you look at part of the rationale too is the, the drop in the dollar that we've seen. Um, that's another big component helping the metals complex. Um, energy itself as a, as a commodity sector hasn't had the, a bigger response as some of the China headlines. And we'll look at the, the WTI futures chart on that as well. Yeah, here you can see WTI crude still holding up above its $85 support level. I think a lot of that's going to be on the supply side. That's really booing prices or you know, supporting prices at that level. 
I did see that the um, International um, Energy, I think it's IEA, I forgot the, the actual, um, I think International Energy Agency issued um, um, an update on supply. I think it's the lowest among developed countries since 2004 right now. So that's definitely helping support price. Um, I think some of the, the global demand headlines that we've seen, you know, have weighed a little bit on the shorter term. So for, for um, support levels that we're watching, the 84 to $85 level will be key. If we, if we do break below that, you're looking at, you know, $82 and then down towards 76. So um, it's been a kind of a lackluster response, um, you know, in crude oil. I still think that overall that the supply side will, will probably continue to support price and, you know, we could see a rebound here in crude. Yeah. And, and then Adam, uh, and, and so much of the commodity engine, I mean, is perhaps coming from, from this kind of, you know, kind of slight changes within China, as, as, as you mentioned, uh, as an asset allocation committee, um, you know, much of perhaps the equity market engine is is kind of come from this this notion that we're not going to be living with eight percent CPI for the rest of our lives. CPI is actually going to to come down, and the Federal Reserve is not going to be tightening through the end of time. Actually, at some point, policy will will ease a little bit, especially as we look into implied. Fed funds rate in the latter half of 2023, there are some expectation that the Federal Reserve will begin to reduce interest rates. So that'll be interesting. But I, I think as we look at U.S. equity markets um, and maybe risky assets in, in general, um, there are some, some, some brighter spots a little bit, maybe slow and developing, but how would you characterize that? Yeah, I would say the the good news or the list of good news is growing. Um, that doesn't eliminate the the bad news, and we'll we'll start with that, I guess. Um, looking at the S and P 500 chart, it's pretty much been a downhill ride for the S and P for this year. I mean, it it did start off at a record high, and as you can see, it's been lower highs since, and we're below that declining 200-day moving average. So now that the the bad news is out of the way, we can. Kind of go over some of the good news. We've had a about a 15% rally off that uh, October low, which also coincided with a CPI report as well. So clearly, the market likes what they're seeing in terms of where this inflation trade is or inflation data is going. That's translating, as you said, into Fed policy and some of the reduced expectations for tightening. What that means for the market is that we've gapped above uh, this 3,900 resistance level that we've talked about. I think that's been tested. I lost count after 20, 20 times. It's been tested as support or resistance. So when you see a gap above that, it takes on quite a bit more significance. And now we're above a 50-day moving average as well. Uh, I think the 200-day is about 2% away from, from retesting. Uh, it doesn't mean we're going to immediately go right through it, but I do like the setup as we're getting closer to the 200-day. Um, I did highlight some of the change that we've seen in momentum with the relative strength index in the second panel of this chart. And we, when a technician's looking for a bottom, you wanna see divergences in momentum. And what I mean by that is prices going lower and then some of the momentum indicators like RSI is actually making higher lows. So that's just basically implying that downside momentum is losing steam. And that's what we're seeing on the S&P 500, you know, that the, the Key levels that we're going to be looking at are that 200-day moving average. That's 40.78. There are some price gaps above that, but I think 
when you look at some of the breath components that are that are um, or the the strength in breath, if we do break above that 200-day moving average, I think it's going to be a pretty significant sign that the market has put in a low. And this is uh, a closer look at those breath metrics that I'm talking about. And what I mean by breath is just participation in the rally. This has not been a mega cap rebound. Actually, the mega cap stocks have have really not done a whole lot. And, and that's being kindly to the mega caps, I think, because they've, they've been uh, hit pretty hard. But we're seeing industrials, financials, energy, um, some healthcare lead this market off the lows. And I think it's pretty interesting to see some of these divergences that I'm, I'm highlighting here on this chart. The top panel, this looks at the percentage of S&P 500 stocks that are above their 200-day moving average. And we just eclipsed the August level. So we're above 50%, which I, I view as, as bullish. And even though the market itself is about 9% below its August high, breath is actually higher. So that's a, a very bullish divergence when we're looking at breath. And then if you look at on the flip side of that, how many stocks are making 52-week lows? Um, you know, at over 40% back in June. And then when we hit another, um, in terms of the S&P making a new low in October, that number was actually less. So now we have less stocks making 52-week lows, more stocks above their 200-day. So both divergences point you know, from a technical lens to um, this rally having some sustainability. Yeah, Adam, and and, and you know we've we sit around as an asset allocation committee and 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 discuss, um, you know the 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 particulars around Fed policy and the and the likelihood that we continue to see a a, 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 a retrenchment in the CPI and fundamentally that that makes for um, a, a positive setup. Um, that's been our expectation for for a while. Um, and now we are the market is starting to re to, to see that. I mean, the importance, I think, is that the that CPI reading Thursday really um, shined a light on the visibility of, of an actual um, CPI and in inflation retrenchment and the visibility around Fed policy tightening actually coming to an end. Um, so it, it led that 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 bounce on Thursday uh, and then it's and it's also uh, additive to our conversations as an asset allocation committee when some of these breadth indicators and 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 technically we get a little bit more of a constructive picture showing up so that's that really just is more additive to why we're not necessarily bullish in this environment but we do think as an asset allocation committee when we get that additional visibility in CPI retrenchment and, and, and more realization that the Federal Reserve is likely going to stop its tightening cycle, perhaps in early 2023, the, the, the market setup gets a little bit better. Uh, I wanna turn your attention to um, the fixed income side because as an asset allocation committee, we've talked about perhaps a, a, a peak in the 10-year treasury yield um, and our expectation that you know a retrenchment in the 10-year treasury yield could also lead to positive things for risky asset prices. How does it look to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's really been rates obviously driving this bear market in, in stocks, and we've had a bear market in the treasuries as well. And we're starting to see on the technical side evidence that you know perhaps the top is in for yields. 
it's a bit early. Um, you know, we've seen a, a bit of a lower high here on the 10 year and it did roll over last week and broke below that 4% kind of psychological support level. And now we're right around the 50 day moving average. I think intraday, you know, we're, we might be below it. Um, so this is a shorter term when I'm looking at this market, it's, it's a shorter term uptrend violation. And I'd caution that was, you know, this does not mean that we're going to immediately go back to ultra low rates and you're going to see a, a sub 3% on the 10 year. Um, but, you know, we might go back and retest those summer highs uh, right around 350. I think that would be good for equity markets overall. I don't think we necessarily need to put in a new low in, in 10 year or even get back to the 200 day, which is, you know, just below 3%. I think the market will welcome any type of stability or even if it's minor downside, which I think might be the case for next year. I did highlight also just in terms of overall momentum, um, when we look at RSI again, here you've seen a bearish divergence as rates continue to move higher. We actually saw uh, momentum start fading in the 10 year. And now you're actually in bearish territory, which is under 50 in terms of RSI. So um, I think risk for a breakout to the upside is becoming less and less you know, likely. And I, I think the market's going to continue to welcome at least stability in the rate market. We've seen that with some of the implied volatility metrics that we look at, uh, a huge move, and technically it's called the move index, um, which you know went basically parabolic this summer. That's come down, and that's basically like the VIX index for the treasury market. So as that comes down, I think it also helps suggest that you know we may see a top here on the 10-year. Yeah, and good points, Adam. I, you know, it, as as we set up through the the last call it month and a half of of twenty twenty two, which oh by the way is, is is pretty good calendar set up historically. So Santa Claus rally and all that. We'll see if we if that comes to pass in twenty twenty two. But we, we are getting that better visibility, and as you've described here, both from an equity market and a fixed income market. Um, the technical backdrop seems to be um, improving as well. So uh, that is indeed constructive. Um, we're glad to see it as an asset allocation committee because we've been expecting this setup to come to pass um, for, for a, a few months now. Um, so now that we're actually seemingly perhaps turning some semblance of a corner and, and, and it remains to be seen if we're going to continue to turn that corner, but um, you know, what we've seen so far technically and fundamentally seems to be um, a, a more positive backdrop, uh, both in the equity market and in fixed income. Um, Adam, uh, it's a pleasure uh, to, to have you join us today. Adam Turnquist, our chief technical strategist here at LPL Research. Um, I am Mark Zabicki, chief investment officer. I want to thank the audience for joining us today. Hopefully you picked up a little bit of insight, not only what's going on today in capital markets, but how we're thinking about it. Um, so you enjoy the rest of your week and we will see you next Tuesday with Market Signals. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally 
only regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.